Welcome to the South Fellowship Church podcast. Here at South Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, friends. How are you doing today? My name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're visiting us today, we're really glad that you're visiting us uh, today as we kick off a, a new series uh, that we call, we call Mindset. If you've been around church for a while, and perhaps some of you haven't, but if you have, you, you might know that for a long time, the church really struggled with this whole subject of, of what is emotional health. I grew up in a type of church that, that really the message seemed to be like this. If you are struggling with something with your emotions, then, then perhaps it's a lack of faith. You, you just don't believe hard enough. If, you, if it's not just faith, then just come and be prayed for and that will fix everything, and, and, and it can. But, but doesn't always. And generally, that emotional health was this thing that, that really nobody wanted to talk about. To be honest, if you were in our church and you had anxiety, if you were depressed, if you were wrestling with emotions, it felt at times like you were kind of a little bit of an embarrassment to the community. Because Christians, right, they shouldn't struggle with those things. And yet one of the things we find more and more is that emotional health is a thing that many people wrestle with. We'll look at some stats in a little while, but, but around 50% of the population at one point has said, I'm struggling with my emotional health. And if you're under the age of 30, the statistics get larger and larger, the, more, the younger you get. It's not just a young person's problem, but it is increasingly a younger generation's struggle. So as we get into this, there's a thesis that I want to give you for this week, and it could be overarching for the whole series. It's the idea of connecting emotional health to spiritual health. My thesis is this, and I'm not going to defend it right now. Who you are and what you are is dependent on whose you are. Now, you came to a church, so if you kind of came on the fringe of like, I want to hear about emotional health, uh, but I don't want to hear about spiritual health, well, I'm going to disappoint you there as well, because it is a church community. So it's not just that the answer to Jesus is everything, but sometimes the answer is very much also Jesus, and that's why I'm tying those two together. Who you are and what you are is dependent on whose you are. As a, as a, as a species, we were made to live in relationship with our creator. So while I don't want to just say that emotional health doesn't matter, I certainly wouldn't say that. I want to say that it deeply matters. I also want you to know from the beginning that actually this is deeply tied to spiritual health uh, as well. Of course, with subjects like this, there'll always be questions. We have a podcast midweek that Aaron and I do ourselves. Aaron, who wore that delightful shirt to come up and do announcements that very few people could pull off, but he pulls off nicely indeed. And, and just send, our, send your questions in as they come up. This week, for the first week, I want to pull a couple of threads on this idea of emotional health. I'm going to read a passage of scripture first. We're going to leave it just in suspend and come back to it in a little while, and, and we'll talk for a bit. And, uh, and eventually, just to prepare, you will come to this table, this Lord's Supper, Eucharist. It's been known, Mass, you may know it as, all of these different names. It's open to anyone. If this is your first time coming to Jesus and bringing all of your baggage, all of your wrestling, then you can come to this table and bring that to him for the first time. If you come from a different church, you are welcome at this table if you know Jesus as your master and your savior in this life. But we're gonna end here and try and tie all that together. 
But first, let me read you this passage. If you're someone who likes to turn to a text or likes to know specifically where it is, we'll get back to it later. And if you're new to it, I'll guide you through it. This is from a letter written about 2,000 years ago to a church, not unlike this one, in a place called Ephesus, which is now sort of modern-day Turkey area. And it says this. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, verse 3, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Jesus, as we look at this, as we talk about emotional health and how it ties into living in the way of Jesus, would you speak to us? In this room, there are all sorts of people. There are people who find this to be such a wrestling point. People to whom the moment of silence was a struggle. People who battle with this daily. God, I pray you would take away guilt and shame in the room that we would be able to come and bring everything that we are, knowing that not all of it is good. Some of it needs to be healed. Some of it we long to see healed. Knowing that all of it is a journey and that you love us exactly as we are right now in this space. Amen. So so here's the thread that I wanna pull on today. I wanna pull on the thread of, of just how difficult it is to live in this world with all of the messages that it brings. Uh, my wife and I took our kids, uh, because we do this kind of thing, uh, not on an adventure, but an adventure to Costco on Friday. Uh, and as we're wandering around with our four children in this place that is not designed specifically for children, uh, I, I came across something that was different. We'd just been just before Christmas, and we found, well, of course, we hadn't spent all of our money at Christmas time, so we were going to go again in the new year. And the first thing I came across was this. It's around the place that used to be full of Christmas trees. Not far from the place that before Christmas had these really wonderful massage chairs that I have rhapsodized about before. The message before Christmas was this. Buy a tree, enjoy the season, and relax because you deserve it. And as I walked in in the new year, it was really apparent that the message had switched. The message was now buy one of these because you probably now need it, like get on the workout train. But it tied in with lots of other messages that I got at this time of the year. I opened my mailbox on the first day of the year, January 1st, and I received a message from Amazon who told me that they had the pathway for me to be able to fulfill all of my resolutions. Turned out that the pathway was just buy more stuff from Amazon, which felt a little self-serving and actually was against my resolution to buy less from Amazon, which was a problem. But then my favorite came from my friends at Marriage365, which is actually a wonderful organization, wonderful website if you've never read any of their stuff. They, They asked for this, New Year, New You. New year, new you. It's a new year is the message. It's time for a new you, which leaves this 
question kind of floating and unspoken. What's wrong with the old me? <laughs> what's wrong with the old me? And by extension, what's wrong with the old you? Uh, this time of year, we get lots of messages that, that simply say this, like that, that, that you could argue that society shouts at us, uh, be new, become a different person. And it sets all of these different standards for what that might look like. So some of them are really noble. I watched the other day this wonderful thing with this guy who, his brother who was disabled wanted to run a triathlon and so he took his brother on the triathlon. I mean, I have no ability to do a triathlon. So if you're out there and you do triathlons, great. But to do it with somebody else attached to you, I'm like, man, that is worth something. That's impressive stuff other stuff that we're told to kind of copy, to imitate, is, is maybe less worthy. There's always the latest person who's the trend that we should either look like or sound like. There's always uh, the latest like, model to, to dream after. There's all of these different images that we might look at and say, that's who I'm apparently, according to this world at least, supposed to be. So that's one message on one hand. On the other hand, I think that's jets just flying over, I just heard them. It's must be a Broncos game in town. <laughs> Not a playoff game. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I didn't even plan to say that. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> just, just, it's, it's apparently out of my heart. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I read that somewhere. <laughs> On one hand, I don't know if I can recover from that. On one hand, society shouts, be new, but then there's this other repeated message that you might have heard from society, and, it, and it's this one. Just do you. Just do you. Be yourself, find your true self. The word authenticity is the most searched word on dictionary.com and has been in the top five for the last five years. Now, it probably has something to do with the fact that if we're honest, we don't actually know what's real anymore. You, you play a video and it's some person saying something that doesn't sound quite right and you're like, I, I, I just can't tell anymore. The deep fake is so good. We have AI that develops all of these different things. We had stained glass windows on the stage over the Christmas period and some of you, very sweet that you are, walked in and said, when did we buy stained glass windows? And if you're just finding out now, welcome. They weren't real, but they looked wonderful. We, we live in a world that we say we don't know what's real and, and, and that we also say, I don't perhaps know who I am either. Finding the authentic seems to be key. I've embraced my role as a British person in America of helping people figure out whether British stuff is real. I'm like Simon Cowell, but for food and other things. I'm like just there, and someone, some friends took me to GB's Fish and Chips and said, we need you to tell us, are these authentic fish and chips? So we walked in and I, I wandered up to the guy who was serving and, and I looked at him and said, hey, how you doing, my name's Alex, uh, I, I'm, I'm from Birmingham, where are you from? And he looked at me and he said, I'm, I'm from Coventry, which is just down the road. And I knew instantly he wasn't pleased that I was there. I was like, this is just a bad sign. He's like kind of doing the eyes down. He's not really looking. He's not, he's like, oh, great. Um, and then the fish and chips came and, and they weren't like fish and chips that you get at home. I'm not saying they weren't good. And if he's listening, they're good fish and chips, but they're not, not what I would call authentic fish 
friendships. This word authentic has been thrown around in lots of different areas of life. When asked, dictionary.com said this, although clearly a desirable quality, and, and we'll leave that up for grabs, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, authentic is hard to define and subject to debate. Two reasons it sends many people to the dictionary. It's this question of like, how can I present my real self, perhaps, to this world? Is that even a healthy thing? Well, we'll get there. Elon Musk said, I think it's good for people to speak in their voice, as opposed to how they think they should speak. He said it ends up sounding somewhat stiff and not real. Albert Camus said this, but above all, in order to be, never try to seem. And Lady Gaga said something very similar. Don't hide yourself in regret, just love yourself and your set. The question we might ask is, is of society, which is it? Is it be you or is it reinvent yourself and be new? Are you supposed to be copying somebody or something or some standard and living up to that? Or are you supposed to be embracing that you're an individual and you get to, you get to live how you want to live? Is it, is it be new or is it be you? And I don't know, and perhaps that's why we find ourselves in such a flux if we, flux if we listen to this world, like a flux if we listen to this world. It's just like, it's just messy. We all have different sides of ourselves and based on the unwritten rules we've learned, we often decide that some are acceptable to show to the world and some need to stay hidden away. The ones we chose, choose to show to the world are what make up our social self. The ones we feel inside are our authentic self. When these two selves are at odds with one another, then there is often an uncomfortable internal power struggle as they play tug of war inside us. If you wrestle with how to be in this world, then you're not alone. I, I watched with my kids the, the Barbie movie the other day, and there's this moment where Barbie says this, and it just fascinated me as a quote. She's in the real world for the first time, and she says, I feel ill at ease, like I'm conscious, but it's myself I'm conscious about. It's this feeling of walking through life, just saying, I, I feel like there's this weight. There's this thing, I'm worried that people might be watching me. I'm also worried that people might not be watching me, that they might not be interested in me, in me uh, at all. There's this desire to be like a certain thing, and then there's this desire to be your own self, and it's all a bit of a mess. And these are some of the statistics that perhaps are the result of some of those things. 75% of people pretend to be on the phone to avoid certain social situations. <laughs> Two-thirds of the room. Hands up. No, you don't have to put your hands up. <laughs> Eight million or more people in the United States have an eating disorder. More than half of teenagers don't like their body. One third of adults reported symptoms of anxiety and depression. There are these two distinct pulls on us that seem to pull in different directions. Be you, be new, and it leaves us in this spot. And then the question that I would have from that is, are either of them? actually possible? Are either of them actually possible or, or even desirable? Is that what we're supposed to be doing with our lives? Are, are we supposed to be trying to rework everything about us to create new people? Are we supposed to be our authentic self in every environment that we find ourselves in? Or are there supposed to be specific places where we get to land there? What does scripture say? And perhaps the passage we read earlier, what does it say about all of those things? 
here's what's fascinating to me. When we talk about the idea of being new and being you, scripture actually says yes to both of them. I would argue God wants both for his children. He wants you to be you and he wants you to be new. He wants you to be you and he wants you to be new. One of the things I think we miss sometimes as followers of Jesus, we get caught up in the idea that God wants us to surrender all of ourselves to him and he, and he does but for very specific reasons, I would suggest. I would say it's important that you know God made you, you. Doesn't mean everything about you is good. Doesn't mean everything that you do is right. But it does mean that he made you to do specific things, to have a specific personality, to be a specific person in this world with gifts that the community needs, with abilities, with passions that are actually important, that somewhere in you there is this deep care for part of God's world and there's deep needs that you might actually get to meet and there's all sorts of places where scripture would talk about that. In Psalm 139 we read this in verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Does that sound like a God that just wants you to be lost in the middle of a crowd, no different than anybody else, just one of many? Like if you remember back to to Star Trek, the Borg, the assimilation process, does that sound like that? It's not like that at all. God made you, you for a reason, and embracing that part is at times challenging, but actually good. It's challenging perhaps because if we're honest, we are the people we know the least. The face that we are closest to is the one we look upon the least. We are a mystery to ourselves, and when we actually spend time with ourselves, it can be quite intimidating. I have to spend all day with myself. It's just as awful as you might imagine. (laughs) We don't always know ourselves particularly well at all. And by extension, I would suggest we don't actually often like ourselves very much either. This this is what C.S. Lewis said about this idea of identity and knowing that God made you for a reason. This is in Screwtape Letters, and if you've never read Screwtape Letters, it's like on my list of five books I'd love every Christian to read. The language takes some getting used to because when you read enemy in Screwtape, it's talking about God, which again is a bit of a twist. This is what C.S. Lewis said. I know that the enemy also wants to detach men from themselves, but in a different way. Remember always that he really likes the little vermin, he's talking about you here, and sets an absurd value on the distinctness of every one of them. When he talks of their losing their selves, he only means abandoning the clamor of self-will. Once they have done that, he really gives them back all their personality and boasts, I'm afraid sincerely, that when they are wholly his, they will be more themselves than ever. Hence, while he is delighted to see them sacrificing even their innocent wills to his, he hates to see them drifting away from their own nature for any other reason. God loves you, he made you, he formed you in your mother's womb for a purpose, for reasons. He picked some of those personality quirks that make us chuckle at times, that we embrace in all sorts of different ways. 
God made you, you. And for your own emotional health, it's so important that you can hold on to that. But what about new? I would suggest that all over scripture, he asks for that too. But hold with me for a second because there's a specific way that I think that is shaped. This is a passage in Romans chapter 12, another letter to a church this time in Rome, written by the same guy, a guy called Paul. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. Love that we get to see there, that little glimpse of don't copy everything society tells you, don't feel like you have to be pulled into all of the muck of that, but, but check that out, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. I love how this passage that we began with in Ephesians ties both of these ideas together. Ties together the, the idea that God made you, you, but also it gives us a basis for how he wants to make you and I new people. Because he doesn't want us to do that out of our own strength, out of our own ability. He wants to do it specifically in relationship with him. Check out the end of this, and then I'm gonna read it in this other version called the message version that really just to me gets to the heartbeat of it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Look at the way that phrases this in, in the bottom of here. To be made whole and holy by his love. The suggestion or the, 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 the instruction of scripture is this, that God in his love, he makes you whole. He gives you that sense of personhood. Gives you that sense of you matter. He made you, he loves you, you are valuable. And also gives you this power and me this power to live a completely different life, a life that we have never lived before. We are called to be made holy, whole and holy by his love. Who you are and what you are is dependent on whose you are. That dream of being yourself, that dream of being new, God says yes to both of them, but he says not because you're able to do any of those. Simply because you find yourself in relationship with me. While you can't separate emotional health from spiritual health, you can't also separate spiritual health from emotional health. It's a shame and a heartbreak that the church has ignored emotional health for as long as it has. But don't throw spiritual health out with the bathwater because you need to do this in relationship with God. And look at some of the result of that. David, this writer of Psalms, he celebrates this with these words. I run in the path of your commands because you have set my heart free. You've set my heart free. That's the centrality to relationship with Jesus. It sets your heart free to obey those commands. Whether your goal in 2024 is to be yourself or to be transformed, according to Jesus, both are found in him and not separate from that. As we start to prepare for communion, just glimpse how this seems to work in the life of one of Jesus' first followers, someone who found himself as a fisherman wandering around the Galilean countryside with this rabbi that he came to know and love as his savior. 
When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea at Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. What do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus literally changes Peter's name. Why? Because he sees something in Peter that even Peter doesn't see in himself. He says, Peter, I know you. I made you, and I formed you. And in relationship with me, not only will I give you that sense of who you really are, but I'll also change you into the person you deeply inside long to be. Part of the problem, I think, with trying to be yourself is I think the question is, do any of us really know who we are? I was thinking about this the other day as we spent our New Year's Eve in our quiet little family way. We stayed up till eight. Uh, <laughs> my beautiful wife had worked all night the night before, so she fell asleep pretty early. The older kids and I stayed up till 10 and we watched the draw, ball drop. And, and I stayed up till midnight by myself and I just spent some time praying, watched some fireworks outside and it was quiet and it's slow and it was beautiful. 18-year-old me would have been very mad at the way 40-year-old me spent New Year's Eve. He wouldn't really have understood it at all. He would have been deeply frustrated with someone who'd wasted this one great night of the year where you could go out and get kind of wasted and sort of party. And yet now, looking back, I'm like, no, that wasn't who I really was at all. The danger of just being yourself is, is that, well, well, actually, at what point are you really yourself in this life? And the danger of trying to change yourself is that, well, you, you end up getting deeply, deeply frustrated because it's very hard to do, perhaps impossible. The invitation of Jesus is to find both of those things in him, in the one who knows truly who you are, as he did with Peter, and the one who is able to transform you into a different person. And as Peter's journey continues, there are many flaws, many faults, many failures. And each one of them, the same God of the universe, waves over to him and says, come back. Come back. Find yourself again in me. Journey again with me. The Scottish writer and pastor Andrew Murray said this, we've told people for many years in church, come to Jesus. In actual fact, Jesus makes two invites. One is to come. And the other is to abide, it's to stay, it's to rest in this place and know the peace of a God who isn't anxious, who doesn't demand change in a moment, who says, let me journey with you, live with me, abide with me. The one who stands at the door and knocks and says, will you open that door for me? Whether you, your goal is to be yourself or to be transformed, it seems like it's only found in Christ. Let's look at the rest of that as we move to communion, the rest of that passage in Ephesians. In love, he predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
I grew up in a faith that constantly reminded me of all the things I was supposed to do to be a good follower of Jesus. So far, if you're tracking with this passage, how many things have you or I been asked to do? So far, my count is zero. We haven't been asked to do anything. Everything that we've read is what he does. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus. In accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. This world destroys your emotional health by saying, go in these two opposite directions. Be yourself and be somebody new. Copy somebody else. Jesus says, come to me and find both of those things in me. Find them both in me. So a question, how can you rest in God's love as your source of wholeness and holiness in 2024? And if your spiritual journey is new, then we'd love to help you make that journey, make those first steps into following Jesus. But I would suggest something to all of you that call yourselves followers of Jesus, something that if you can do this, as simple as it sounds, I believe is absolutely revolutionary in in your life. And it's another rest thing. I would suggest if you can take the first and last five minutes of each day to invite God's presence you'll find it deeply transformative. I know for some of you are in a place where that's hard. My kids wake up at five o'clock every morning. So unless my time of rest is 4.55, which sounds a stretch, it's super hard to do. And some of you might hold up a hand and say, I am not what you would call a morning person, more of a late night person. And, And well, that's fine too. If you pick one of them, I think you'll find it transformative. But what I found to be the best way to do my day is in those five minutes, not to move, not to pick up my phone, not to start filling my head with information, not to see who texted me over the night, not to begin thinking about what my diary or my calendar says for the day, but simply to pause and say, Jesus, in this day, I would love to be aware of your presence. I would love to be aware of the ways that the world pulls on me and tells me who I'm supposed to be while also telling me that I should just be myself. And I would love to spend this day grounded in who you are, knowing that in you I'm accepted, wanted, and valued. And I love to spend the last five minutes of the day saying, God, how did that work today? Where were the days where I just missed that? Where were the days that I saw you beautifully at work? Where were those moments where I didn't feel enough and then you showed me that I was valuable, that I mattered, that you made me as I am, and that you were still working in my life, still shaping me? Where were those moments where I forgot that I was supposed to abide in you? Where were those moments where I remembered to abide in you? And in those moments, the thing that this beautiful Jesus does so often is he reminds me that I'm gonna be okay. And then in all the ways that I didn't feel like it was enough, that he invites me again into a new day and says, I am present with you. You are loved, you are valued, you are wanted, and I'm at work in your life. That's really what this table represents. 
It's this beautiful invitation to come and know that we get to remember Jesus and who he is. And, and what's stunning in that is we remind ourselves that he remembers us in all of the ways that you don't feel like you add up. He remembers you. In all of the ways that you feel like a failure, he remembers you. In all the ways you don't like yourself, don't want to be the person you are, he remembers you and he says you are loved as you are, valued as you are. This God does not forget. He remembers. And so the the worship team are just going to take a few minutes. They're going to lead us in worship. It's a song that reflects our deep need for Jesus. And during that time, there'll be some of our prayer team scattered at the front, and there's no pressure on this at all. But if you would love someone to pray with you, if you have found yourself becoming obsessed with chasing a standard that's unreachable, a particular way that the world says to live, I'd love to pray with you. If you find that you've just been trying so hard to, to, to change, they'd love to pray with you. If you've tried to be yourself and it hasn't really worked out as you'd hoped, they'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to sit quietly and just pray yourself, that's, that's wonderful too. But I'm going to open this time and the invite is open. Jesus, we feel all sorts of pressures on us as people. And you know, our world looks so different to your world. But there's so many things that are the same. Jesus, in our deep need for you, thank you that you're present. I just pray specifically for my friends here, some who find themselves trying desperately to do two very difficult things wrestling with a society that says be yourself be new be someone else help each one of us this year to find our identity in you and find emotional health in that process amen if you've been touched by this ministry and you want that to spread to others you might consider partnering with us financially. You can give online at southfellowship.org give. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.